Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Think the weakness of the pound, but also because of inflation, people hedging and thinking, is property a good investment to put our money into? Right. Um, if inflation reaches 8%, 10%, having, having a blue chip property could be considered a good idea. Right. So actually, with all of the bad news for everyone, I mean, it could be it could be good, right, for, for your end of the market. I mean, both in both surging inflation, higher interest rates as a result, and a, and a falling currency. You're making it sound as if I want this to happen, <laughs> Dave. A cost of living crisis so I can sell another house. <laughs> I'm David Merritt with Francine Nakwa in the London studio. And this is In the City, Bloomberg's podcast connecting you to the stories at the heart of the City of London. So this week we are tackling the question of property and housing. It is the national obsession, of course, and warning signs are flashing that we may be at some sort of tipping point for the housing market. This is a tough, tough time to buy. So you're probably stretching yourself because of the cost of living, because of inflation, to purchase that dream flat or that dream house. And everyone's scrambling to work out when should they remortgage. I'm doing this myself at the moment. As interest rates forecast to surge, we've had Bank of England rates going up faster than they have done for many years. And perhaps a sense of panic setting in about what might happen. We haven't had a proper housing crash in this country for a very long time. Joining us now is London's Bureau Chief Neil Callanan, also fair to say an expert on the housing market, what you've been covering for 22 years and have received over 5,000 emails from journalists asking for mortgage advice. There's a lot of like first time buyer mistakes that people make that I'm happy to caution about because I have lived through a proper crash in Ireland where the value of my apartment fell 70 odd percent at one stage. And you've seen booms and busts and booms. Like where are we in, in this kind of cycle? I think we're very much in the late stage of the cycle. And um, when you look at the figures, the, the UK housing boom uh, since the financial crisis was driven by cheaper interest rates. So people could borrow more, people could borrow for longer. And now with the Bank of England raising rates because of inflation, A, people have less money to spend, but B, they're going to have to pay more for their housing costs. And I was literally had a friend texting me last, last week saying she's looking at her mortgage costs tripling next year. So, Neil, first of all, on average, what a new home buyer will spend £220,000 on a place, which is which is quite expensive. I mean, it's very, very expensive, especially if you're a first-time buyer. Are we talking about a possible market collapse that, you know, the value actually evaporates? What's worst case scenario? So, at the moment, houses in England are at the most unaffordable level ever. They're at nearly nine times income. Again, that's a sign, again, of a market that's reached a new peak and a market that might be vulnerable. Realistically, because it's taking so long for sales to go through, it's going to be more of a slow puncture. Again, it's going to take a while for the effect of the energy prices to come true. Lots of people are on fixed rate mortgages, but there are 1.8 million people next year who are coming off a fixed rate mortgage. So it's going to take 
through to the four quarter last year before you're really starting to see the full impact of the um, mortgage rate increases, of the uh, energy rate increases, of people having less money for food, having to change, and that just gives them less money to pay on housing. Does that mean we're going to see defaults? Everything at the moment is negative for housing, including construction costs are going up, so you can't necessarily, it's much more expensive to even do an extension and things like that. So what sort of rates are we looking at? I mean, I think there is one big qualifier I have to add before I answer this, which is that the government, every single time the housing market has slowed down, the government has kind of come, intervened to support it. With the sort of stamp duty measure? or Stamp the, duty and help to buy in, partic in particular. Uh, uh, and uh, that has been a core tenant support in the housing market. So the question is, can they continue to do that? Help to buy is due to end next year, maybe they extend it. But then another question is, will they have the money to be able to do that, given the amount of money they've spent on COVID and the amount of money they're going to have to help spend helping households? Uh, but all that aside, I think you could be looking at a financial crisis type reduction, which was around 20% in the UK. I'm not saying that's going to happen immediately. It will take time. It will take probably at least 18 months to start to come true. Um, these things tend to happen slower than you think and then happen faster at the end. But I still need to add the qualifier of the government may stop it from happening and it is in their interest to do so. Every single time the housing market slows down, the government stimulates uh, demand. They do not stimulate supply and that helps keep house prices high, which appeals to conservative voters. Is London and central London immune because of buyers from abroad? Well, central London, the top end of central London has already had a crash and has had a crash since uh, just before Brexit. It has rebounded a bit in, in the last year or so, particularly at the very, very top end where overseas buyers who would have bought two years ago or last year, you have all that pent up demand coming in at once. By, sorry, by top end, you mean properties over a million pounds or? Uh, really, realistically, it's prime central London, you're talking five million pounds plus and for houses, probably 10 million pounds plus. Um, so the volumes those sales are, are much higher but again it's a tiny part of the market um, but we, even within that if you look at inner London which includes prime central London and a few of the boroughs around it uh, how, uh, flat prices have been falling since January um, but outside of that they're going up and they've actually just reached a record so prime central London has had a bit of a comeback but how sustainable that is we don't know yet so far you're not seeing as much benefit from the pound, uh, the weaker pound as perhaps might have been expected. But in all of these cases, um, it, it comes down to geopolitics. So the real reason Prime Central London took off 10, 15 years ago was the Arab Spring and events like that caused a lot of people to move money, money to London. Um, there is not the similar thing happening because the Russians and Ukrainians who already had money have already bought in London. Whether we will see money coming from Dubai, that's, that could be really interesting to watch. Neil Callanan, thank you so much. So from a, a quite wide look, actually, at the UK market and London in general to the very, very high end. Yeah, that, that's what we all really want to read about, isn't it? What are the the, the people in the stratosphere spending their money on, the, the super rich? Housing porn. House porn. We can't get enough of it. <laughs> are we allowed to say that? <laughs> no. no, we're not allowed to say that. We... <laughs> no. Okay, so we're allowed to call it housing porn porn and uh, for which we're going to be joined by the secret agent. He is one of London's top property brokers. He goes anonymously in order to protect his very important customers.
and he's seen a thing or two. He has a tale to tell from every celebrity and their house. We are joined, very excited to be joined today, in the London studio by one of London's top property brokers for the very super prime end of the market. He goes by the title of the secret agent, in fact, wrote under that name in the FT for many years about London's property market. And we're going to stick with the secret part because we really want to dive into the real juice of the market here. And I think keeping things secret might mean we get a bit more information. So I, maybe I'll just, I'll just kick off with a pretty broad question. Now, there's so much bad news, isn't there, about the economy, cost of living, slowdown, and talk, in fact, about possible downturn in the housing market. But is, is this any of this affecting your clients? Or are they all operating up in the jet stream somewhere where they are immune to all of these headwinds? I would say you're right, Dave. They are operating in the private jet stream, floating above. In a private jet. <laughs> yes, <laughs> very much so. Um, and I don't think that their wealth has been significantly affected. And I think that their wealth is such that for most people, their home is probably their biggest asset. For the clients that we're dealing with, it's one of many assets, and normally you know, they'll own multiple properties, but their wealth will be greater through their businesses, through through other sources. I'm going to be the, the crass European. Show me the money. So what are we talking about, like 10 million plus in terms of properties for London or more? Yeah, I think the super prime market in London is defined as 5 million plus. Most of the sort of trading that we do is probably 10 million plus. But so, are you not sensing any... I mean, is there no chill going through people's veins when they look at the news coming up for the rest of the year? Um, or is life as carrying on as normal? There are certainly a few clients who, in Easter time, who had owned their houses for decades, and they decided to put their houses on the market then wow. um, uh, with the Ukraine war. But Russians? Well, no, 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 no. Not we, the Russians. We, 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 Russians. <laughs> no, no, we don't. We, we, we've never really dealt much with Russian oligarchs. I've, I showed Mr. Abramovich a few properties a while ago, but he never bought them. <laughs> no, they, they were British families who had lived in their houses, as I said, probably bought them in the 80s and had lived in there for 30, 35 years. And we're thinking we're always going to sell and downsize and move to a flat. Uh, so they were, so those were British owners. So yeah. in terms of the foreign capital, you're saying none of them decided to, it was time to, or, or are not deciding it's the time to get out. Of this market? No, I think that those, uh, the foreign capital who were going to go have, have gone post Brexit. Right. And I think the big, one of the big pulls that I see with clients who buy in London is the sort of education here. Yeah, but secret agents, so is there a secret, I love saying that, so secret <laughs> agents, tell me, um, is there a pattern amongst the ultra high net worth individuals of at what point do they sell? Well, at that, well, I suppose they, I mean, the two clients I'm thinking of had probably, as I said, bought three decades prior. And I mean, an interesting sort of fact, the year before that, when I was selling a house in Notting Hill, and they had, there were two 
clients who had bought in the late 70s and one in Wandsworth and one in Notting Hill in the sort of prime street of Notting Hill going on to a communal garden and they both bought for 280,000 and the client who sold in Notting Hill sold for 19 million and the one in Wandsworth sold for three and a half million. So it just shows also how particular pockets within London have gone in the stratosphere and one obviously you know if the, the Wandsworth people would have been very happy they're still quite happy right but it's not the kind of it's like winning the lottery and the but I mean that's the be- I mean the return on that that's like yeah. the best investment ever right I mean do you and London property has been seen has it as an investment all around the world people to yeah. pour their cash in and to get do, I mean is it possible to get that sort of return anyway are there any where's the next Notting Hill is is it possible to have yeah, that sort of boom again <laughs> yes. please give us some tips please Mr Agent <laughs> well I was I, I mean, I'm slightly biased because I live Notting Hill adjacent in, um, if some people call it Maid of Vale, when I want the value to be higher, I refer to it as Little Venice because right. it sounds more moneyed, Little Venice. Um, but I think that is possibly undervalued, possibly Queen's Park. I mean, I'm not, just because of our client base... I don't really, you know, I know South London is having a moment, but I'm not going to be an aficionado on Lewisham or Peckham. So has COVID changed? Do people want to buy minor houses or do they still want central London? And actually, is it, you know, money that elsewhere doesn't feel so safe? We're thinking of Hong Kong, we're thinking maybe of of certain parts of the Middle East where the buyers that are extremely wealthy say, "I, I need a second home in London or a first home in London. I thought that my business would sort of pretty much be over um, when COVID started because everybody was talking about cities being over. And I actually set up an affiliation with somebody in the Cotswolds because I was brought up there and I thought everyone's going to be moving there. The first gap after COVID, I sold a house in Kensington via a video you know, WhatsApp video, their decorator came along too, because I insisted, I said, I want the decorator as well. Well, They they didn't see the house in person? They they didn't see the house, they Google mapped it. It was in Kensington, they bought it for 16 million. Um, Over Zoom? Over 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 WhatsApp, over, over video. WhatsApp video. I don't think the picture quality was as good as Zoom, and and my and, and the clients who I was acting for selling the property. I think they they couldn't believe it. They just said that this is not nobody is going to spend sixteen million. And until the day of exchange, they didn't believe it. Um, until and it and it happened. So London, I think, is just remarkably resilient and the market is stronger now in prime London than it was immediately post-COVID. Could you, do you walk in a place and say, right, I'm valuing this at 15 million and I know who will buy it? I did see I did see a house <laughs> the other day which was sort of hidden and I and I knew the streets quite well it they're major houses with big gardens and lots of you know security guards standing outside them and there was this tiny little alleyway and um it was this sort of French chateau in 
a third of an acre with a very cool sort of outhouse that felt as if you were in Laurel Canyon in LA as a sort of the, and the agent was saying you could Airbnb it and I did think but if you've got 20 million to spend you probably don't need the Airbnb income no. of and I, but I did say to I, I said you know I don't even know if he's looking. I don't know what his taste is, but I said Harry Styles should buy this because <laughs> it's very private, and he could turn he could turn the little studio into a recording studio. Um, <laughs> so if Harry's listening, he can Harry, always. You, know who's called. <laughs> you, you can get in well, contact. You well, you, you can, can get in contact with Francine and exactly, Dave, yeah. and then then on. then they can connect us. <laughs> What's the craziest thing that people have asked for in houses? Do they ask you for specifics or do you assume that a lot of them then just redo them anyway, like Trump did at the White House? When I started in the business, I think people wanted a blank canvas. So they wanted something that was tired and they wanted to make their own mark. I think increasingly now, and this probably happened with the sort of super developers And maybe it's a sort of reflection on our sort of fast society that you want it and you want it now, that now it's much harder to sell an unmodernized flat or house and people want turnkey. The old um, Libyan school in Glebe Place has been done, redeveloped, and it's two houses, and I think it's eight or nine flats, and the starting prices for the flats are 40 million, and most of them have their own swimming pool. The flat have yeah. the swimming pool? Because you go, you have a direct lift access. One of the, two of the flats have them on sort of roof terraces, yeah. and the other ones have direct lifts into sub-basements, where you go and have your swimming pools. So I think five of the flats have got swimming pools. And each of the flats were done by a different designer. I mean, big name designers. So you literally, artwork, furniture, everything. So you walked in and I, I mean, I thought it was quite a risky strategy because you want everything to work and everything to be perfect, but people do have their own taste and I, I think they haven't actually sold very well and those brand new super prime developments do you see the buyers there do you think all that stuff's going to it's going to sell i think they'll struggle um just because they're scared of it it's just too much of it i think and and i think that's a very international market whereas the market that we deal in primarily is international but it's people who live here that London's their home. So we have a lot of buyers who may not have been born in the UK, but they're sort of committed to living here, certainly for the foreseeable future. Whereas the Chelsea Barrack developments and others, it's usually a third or fourth home. And I think, you know, maybe to a wealthy American or Middle Easterner. And I think those buyers, you know, why not stay in Claridge's? you know, for, for, for two weeks when you come over. So how, how many of the houses you sell you think remain empty throughout the year? Or mostly empty throughout the year? Uh, very few. Um, I, and, and the ones that do, I, I find very depressing. I mean, I, we, we sold a house in Belgravia seven or eight years ago, and it was a Middle Eastern gentleman who had bought it 14 years 
before that. So he'd held it for four years and nobody had spent a night there. Wow. And it was used as a sort of storage facility. So it had a muse at the back. So there were two, I'm not very good with the cars, but I think a Rolls-Royce Phantom and something else. And it was it was a depressing house to walk into what is the impact of, of of the russians having to sell up does it does it matter at all for london i think the impact is not nearly as great as has been talked about because i think the spread of property that the russians own you know there's a lot in weybridge and surrey virginia waters there's some in belgravia one of the houses Mr. Abramovich owns is on Kensington Palace Gardens, sort of Millionaire's Row beside Kensington Palace. It's a very, very small percentage of the super prime property population. Right. So it doesn't make a ripple, really, in the no. whole when the whole world. And are there buyers ready to come in? Do you think it's not like that, that place on Kensington Palace Garden? I mean, that's a huge house. Yeah. What would you estimate that's worth? I should think between 150 and 200 million. And you've got, you know, the Mittals next door. There's not many uh, families who or people who could afford that, right? But do you think that will sell fairly? I, I think that street will sell. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the big whopper in sort of Winnington Road in Hampstead could be harder. Right. But that that street, I mean, I've I've got three buyers who would... Oh, really? Yeah, who, who, who are... Or, or, I know of them, and I can get to them, who who would buy on that street. So, Secret Angel, what's your secret? to, set to I mean, People trust you with big decisions, with personal decisions, because it does really touch to who you are as a person and you want to live as a family. Well, I think, you know, part of my job is part therapy um, and understanding what people want and sometimes maybe seeing something that they don't realise that they want and <laughs> uncovering it. I remember my biggest client in the first big deal I ever did um, was a house in Eaton Square and the client was buying it for her son. He was 22 years old. And we went out for lunch and she said to me, you know, should I buy this house and it would have been my you know greatest commission ever and I said to her no don't buy this house and you know, she always called me darling still does <laughs> and she said darling why 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 don't I buy this house why don't I buy it because <laughs> she also says that word a lot um, and, and I said you know your son is 22 a freehold house in Eaton Square is the sort of apogee of your property aspirations. And where is he going to go from Downhill here? from there on, right? There, there's nowhere to go. And she said to me, darling, that's why I like you. She it was bought, a test. Yeah. No, 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 no. She bought the house. <laughs> she bought the house. <laughs> and, but I told her not to buy the house. And four years later, she bought a house that was more than I was wrong because you could go higher. She bought a house double the price of the house in Eaton Square for the sun. <laughs> so, um, but it's, it's sort of trust and them knowing that you're, you know, looking out for them. 
Thank you so much, Secret Agent. Thank you very much. <laughs> I feel like I'm an octonaut. Thank you, Secret Agent. Thank you, Secret Agent. Should I say Secret Agent or is it... Thank you, Mr. Agent. I just love it so much. Thank you, Mr. Secret. Is it Mr. Secret or Mr. Agent? <laughs> I love it. I'm really into spy movies at the... <clears throat> there we go. We can do all of that, right? Thank you so much, Secret Agent. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm definitely using the first one. Don't worry. I'm using the first one. That was great. Brilliant. Mm.